Thank you. Thank you for coming tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, the last time we met, uh, we were talking about making it ours and making it better. Um, and I think we should start with asking for one or two of you to share how you have in some way made it yours or made it better. How have you acted upon what we talked about last time? Um, have you done anything different uh, as a result of that? And uh, if you could share, that would be great. Because we're not hearers of the word, only right word doers. So don't be modest. If you feel that you have taken that word and actually applied it and have done some things differently as a result. Please share that. Yes, Deacon. Praise the Lord, everybody. Basically, I'm a person that likes to do things and I used to take them all upon myself. It was easier for me to do it because I knew it was gonna get done. But now I realize that I need y'all. We need one another, and we do better together. Um, some ministries came together and worked with me during the Christmas program. It was the most beautiful thing that happened. Um, the senior ministry, where y'all at? <laughs> All of them supported me in one way or another. And I thank God for you. Amen. So what was the, what was the, what did you do? I reached out. No. I just called I just called and contacted a couple of um, people in the church. Next thing I know, people were calling me, what can I do? What how can I help? Wonderful. So sometimes it's just a matter of asking. Good, thank you. Appreciate that. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else? You have done something different or your ministry that, that you are part of, you've seen them do something different as a result of taking ownership in a greater way? Yes. Or asking the questions how I can do it better? Yes, sir. So what I've done is, you know, got a couple of people numbers now, um, you know, men, and just reaching out to them like every week, text, message, call. So it's not Pastor P, the men ministry, got to follow on the people, or Elder James. Now I'm, I got like almost 20 men that are, you know, texting almost every other week, you know, calling, leaving messages. So that's something I'm doing different. Calling, you, you are calling yeah. the men in the church? Yeah. Texting them and just, just checking on them. Correct. Conversation. Great. Thank you. All right. Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm speaking on behalf of Mert. It's kind of two parts um, medical emergency response team. So, in the last maybe two months, we've had more emergencies in the church doing services. Um, I think a lot of people don't know that there is a, a ministry in the church that is a medical emergency response team. 
So what we do is, the, the group is made of a lot of um, medical professionals like nurses, doctors, nurse practitioners, pharmacists, and all of that. So over the last two months, we've had increase in emergencies in the church. And the team, one emergency after the other, we have um, regrouped, we have evaluated how we responded to the emergencies. We have um, taken on new ways of how we can handle these emergencies without interrupting the church. And also this Sunday, we're gonna be doing a recalling to educate the um, congregation that there is a team. Because one of the greatest issues we have is everybody being part of the team when we have an emergency and trying to you know, tell people, that, can you just let the team do something? But we realize that people are not aware that there is a team. So we're going to do a video this Sunday. Hopefully it's going to come true. And then we're going to educate the, um, the congregation about what's going to happen. So, you know, what we're here for. And if they want to join the team, they're welcome. So we're grateful for everyone. And those are the many changes we've done. Who are, who are the, who, who here are medical professionals who are involved in the profession in some way? Guys, stand up, please. I thank you. But whether you're on the team or not, you're a medical professional. Okay? Okay? All right, great. Thank you. So we got pharmacists, radiologists, nurse, nurse practitioner. Nurse. Nurse. You write prescriptions, right? Yes. Okay, check my blood pressure. I need a prescription. <laughs> Radiologist, great. Nurse, amen. Come on, let's thank God for these folks. We need some of you on the team. Thank you. Yeah, praise God. So you are going to do an announcement this Sunday, right? Because I understand when it happens because people don't know you guys exist, so to speak. A lot of folks who are not in the medical field try to assist and sometimes they get in the way, right? Their heart is right, but it's just the wrong time, right? In the wrong place. So we have to make it clear that we have people who are qualified and able to respond. But thank you so much. Great. Someone else? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So uh, I represent the Evangelism and Community Outreach uh, Ministry. So for us uh, making it ours and making it better, uh, we saw some of the values again, teamwork. So just looking at the teamwork, what we decided to do after the previous uh, uh, hurdle is that we reach out to like GEM, which is Global Evangelism Ministry. They've been uh, working on evangelism. They've been very active since Bethel. And so we felt like people who have been very active on the field, we should all come together. So we have a WhatsApp page about 35 people there and we are very actively like communicating and praying and just making suggestions and also we met with uh, Deacon Edvige and also with uh, uh, Deacon Henry Teach so by the grace of God the media is going to work with us to be able to make announcements better and also testimonies and also meeting with Reverend Ennis so we believe that things are going to get better. So there's teamwork, collaboration, meeting with them, praying on Monday nights together, and also testimonies and just encouraging people to be out there. And also on prayer line, we're just giving the testimonies and encouraging people that even in their workplace or daily, it should be our culture, our lifestyle, just sharing the gospel. Amen? 
Amen. So we got time for two more, two more, two more. Something and you have done or your ministry has done. Yes. Hi. Uh, I represent HMA, Harvest Marketplace Academy, and joining the staff meeting and hearing every time uh, we are within the culture of continuous improvement. That also led us to change some things, uh, open to suggestions, uh, creating pop-up uh, courses for those who were not registered for HMA to come in and learn what God was doing. I think the last, the first one we did was how to hear God, and we have plans to do more of those as we move forward. That even if you are not a student, you can see, come in and learn something that will help you within your profession and within your life as a child of God. So, Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Day. Harvest Marketplace Academy. One more. Worship ministers, praise and worship. Have you all done anything different? You... Any changes, anything? Young guy done the report? <laughs> okay. Well, I saw, I saw Ellington, Ellington, and uh, those men showed up, and they ministered. That, that, was, that was different, right? That was something new that was, that was special. So that was one thing that was different. Okay. Um, yes, so I am Luigi. I'm with the uh, uh, choir. And um, for, for, for a while now, they've been talking about men actually coming to help the boys' choir. And um, so myself and Brother Herman here have decided to do so, and we did since then. And uh, we have other men that have also expressed interest in doing so as well. I beg you, please stand and give them a standing invitation. Please stand, stand, stand. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is a standing ovation. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank God. Amen. This kind does not come except by prayer and fasting. <laughs> but, but by prayer and fasting, it has come. To God be the glory. Amen. May the Lord give you guys the grace and strength. To, and of course, you know you're not just teaching the young boys how to sing. You're actually going to be mentoring them. You're going to be role models. Uh, May God use you powerfully, beyond your imagination. May you really find fulfillment in doing what you're doing, okay? Great. But I want to encourage all of us, let's not forget that, okay? We, you know, keep reminding yourself that this is the Lord's work, okay? This is the Lord's work. This does not belong to any individual. It belongs to the Lord, and then it belongs to all of us because we are part of his family. Right? So regard harvest as your father's house, your father's business. Regard everyone here as members of the family. We're all about our fathers. Amen. Again, I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You've never, never, never heard me call this my ministry. You've never heard me call it my church. Because it isn't my ministry or my church. This is the father's church, father's house. I have a role, you have a role, but we're family and this is the family's business. Amen. And everybody has a role to play. And every one of us should be excited about working together with each other as family and working with the Father in doing his business in the earth. So again, thank you so much. Also, you who are serving, and those of you who are here tonight, we really, really 
appreciate you. Uh, so keep making it yours, keep making it better. Remember the question you always have to ask is how can I make it better next time? Okay? That's the mindset, the culture of continuous improvement required that we always are asking, okay, how can we make it better next time? If next time is next week, how can we make it better next week? If it's next year, how can we make it better next week? So ask those questions. Ask them as soon as you can after whatever you just done because then it's fresh. Make notes. Sometimes you'll get an inspiration right there. You'll know how you can make it better. Sometimes you might get nothing right away, but the fact that you're asking the question, then in times becomes the reason that at some point you will see something you never saw before. Okay? So let's consciously ask that question. How can I improve it and make it better next time? Okay? Now, we want to talk today, uh, and of course we'll continue tomorrow, but for a long time we heard a lot about church growth, church growth, church growth, and uh, when people referred to church growth, they primarily talked about growth in terms of numerical growth. So if you had 100 people, how do we grow to 500? Or if we had, a, if we had 500, how do we grow to 1,000? How do we grow to... 2000. The idea was, let's do whatever we can in order to get as many people as we can to show up when we gather. And so the focus was upon getting people to come. And as a result, there are a lot of strategies, a lot of things people did, ministries did, in order to bring the crowd. Uh, and for many of those churches, they, they experienced the numerical growth. But after some time, as those who were sincere began to reflect on what was happening, it became clear that all growth is not good growth. Okay? Um, just to have the numbers doesn't necessarily mean what is happening there is a good thing. Because it's not about the crowds, it's about Christ-likeness. It's about being transformed and about the church being what God has called it to be, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, uh, the hospital where those who are sick can come and find healing. Uh, and so the discussion began to change and some people begin to talk less about church growth per se. It's not that numbers were not important, but instead of focusing on how do we grow the numbers, they begin to talk about church health. It's just an assumption. If the body is healthy physically, the body will grow. Healthy things, healthy living things will grow. And so instead of focusing on growth just by attraction, how many people we can get here, how many programs we can have, who can we invite that can bring the crowd, what can we offer so a lot of people can come and be really excited about coming every Sunday because there's a lot of entertainment taking place? The shift now was, okay, what does it take for the church to be healthy? Because if the church is healthy, church will grow. And the growth that springs forth out of a healthy body will be good growth. Good growth. And so... Church health became a major focus. 
Many of you have heard of Rick Warren. Uh, he was really the, one of the primary movers and who began to challenge the old way of thinking and begin to say, listen, instead of just thinking about numbers, what, what about thinking about health? And how can our churches be healthy? Uh, how many of you try to go to a doctor at least once a year for your annual checkup? How many of you men do? Good, good. It's important, men. Make sure you do your annual checkup, okay? Uh, that's important. So, all you men, all your wives, make sure your husbands do their annual medical checkup. Your sisters, make sure your brothers do it. You moms, make sure your sons do it, okay? It's important. It can save lives. But when you, when, when you go to do the medical health assessment once a year, what does your doctor do? He begins to examine you, right? And he examines uh, several different parts. All right? Uh, he opens your mouth. He looks down your throat. Uh, looks down into your, down your ears, right? I don't know what he's looking for, but he looks there. <laughs> Puts his little stethoscope, listens to your heart, does the pulse thing, takes the blood pressure, do the urinalysis, draw the blood, and and then sometimes they put their fingers where they got no business putting. <laughs> That's why some of these men don't go, by the way. <laughs> but but, but they, they, they do those things, and they're looking at different, different organs because they're trained to be able to detect whether something is wrong uh, by whatever they see. Uh, and each of those organs belongs to a particular system within the body, right? Uh, I was doing my little research today to see how many, how many systems do we have? And it looked like they can't agree because you know, I see 11, I see 12, I see 14. So I don't know whether there's some disagreement in the medical profession as to how many systems we have, but I know there's a cardiovascular, there's the respiratory, reproductive, skeletal system, yeah, endocrine, that was a new one for me. Okay, the immune lymphatic system. My goodness, I'm going to get my medical degree soon. <laughs> I will be doctor, doctor. <laughs> Amen? But they're just, you know, again, I, I don't know what is accurate, whether it's 11 or 12. I just saw different numbers. But you have, you have these different systems, right? And each system it's made of certain organs. So in the cardiovascular system, you have certain organs that make up the cardiovascular system. Reproductive, certain organs. Immune system. So you got these organs that are all part of these systems. And each organ in a particular system works together with the other organs in that system. And then you got all these systems consisting of different organs, but all of those systems now must work together in order for the body to be healthy. So organs are working together within a system, and then the systems have to work together in a coordinated and interconnected way for us to be healthy. There has to be some type of balance that they have to 
manifest. And if they do it, and they do it right, the body is healthy. When something goes wrong in one of the organs or in the way the system's not working together, then you got problems. Okay? So now, if you were to take the church and, and think of the church as a living organism, almost like a human being that has a body, the church also can be viewed as having systems, or organs and systems. And a healthy church, just like a healthy body, a healthy church is a church where the organs and the systems are working properly. And they are working together in harmony. And when all of the organs within each system is working properly and the systems themselves are working together, there's a balance, then the church is healthy. Okay? So Rick Warren uh, identified what he called the five purposes of the church, or we could call it the five systems, or the five functions that a healthy church, uh, that would exist in a healthy church, and that those five purposes of those five, five systems, if I'm using the analogy of the human body, are working together in a balanced way. Okay? And when that is happening, the church is healthy. When the church is healthy, the church experiences growth, spiritual growth, numerical growth, and, and other types of growth. So, turn to Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42 to verse 47. Because it's that passage that he used to identify what he calls the five purposes of the five functions of the church. Anybody has, has it? If you can put it on the screen, fine. Otherwise, I'll read it. But if you have your Bibles, go to it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to verse 47. Go ahead and open your Bibles to that. Because I want you to see if you, just by reading that, whether you can come up with five purposes of the church. Five things that should be present in a healthy church. And if all five of those things are present and operating together in a balanced way, that church is going to be healthy and that will lead to healthy growth. Okay? So if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, because I'm going to read it once, but if you, if you have it before you, you can kind of review it yourself. Instead of me just giving it to you, I want to see if we can spot it. All right, so I'm going to read from Acts 2, 42 to 47. I'm going to read from the NLT. Well, since you got that up there, let's use, let's use what you have. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayers. Next verse. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. So if you read that passage, 
Let's see if we can pull out of there five things that were happening in the church, in the early church, that we believe should be happening in any healthy church. And if those things are happening in a balanced way, that church is going to be healthy spiritually, and they're going to experience some healthy growth. Okay? When you think you've seen one, go ahead, raise your hand, and just tell me, okay, I see this. Yes, sir. Bishop, I think a church should be characterized by sound doctrine. Doctrine, okay. Fellowship. Fellowship. All right, what is fellowship? Define it. Fellowship. Two fellows in the same ship? <laughs> fellowship is when the saints come together uh, in one accord uh, for one purpose, and that's to praise the Lord. So the coming together, so your fellowship equals unity for you? Yes. Is that basically what you're saying? Yes. They're together in one accord. Okay. Someone else? Um, prayer. Prayer? Yeah. Okay. There was prayer taking place in that church? Worship. Who said that? I said it. Worship. Worship. Okay. Okay. Yes. Teaching. 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 Doctrine. Uh huh. Over here, please. And share money is important to me. So, so the generosity of the believer another for the purpose of the generosity of the towards one another for the purpose of the house. Thank you. All right, go ahead, Gloria. Um, the Lord is adding um, to their fellowship those who are being saved. So salvation is taking place. Salvation is taking place. He's adding to the church. People are being saved. Go ahead, speak. Huh? Believing. Believing. Yeah, faith. Okay. Discipleship. Discipleship. Signs and wonders. Yes. Multiplication. Okay, so multiplication is the result of the church being healthy. Okay. Um, unity, because they say in singleness of heart, so they have one mind, one purpose. Okay. Now, none of you is wrong, and you're using different words that mean the same thing. But let me share with you the, the words that, that uh, Rick Warren used. Um, and then I added something else there. But basically, as he looked at that passage, he identified what he called the five purposes of the church, or the five systems, that, using the, the, the body analogy that I, that I choose to use tonight. And he said, here are the things that will, will be present if these things are present and functioning well in any church and there is relative balance, he says that church will be healthy and a healthy church will grow. One is worship. Now, he said worship, I said worship and intercession. Okay? Now, I believe what he said, worship in his mind, it included prayer and intercession. Okay? But worship, that, our our our. Communication with God. He says that needs to be happening. Church that is helpless, a church that is worshiping, a church that is making intercession, a church that is communing and communicating with God. Secondly, he said, present in that early church was discipleship. Now I said teaching and discipleship. Teaching the word. Doctrine. 
teaching and discipleship. A healthy church is a church where the word of God is being taught and people are being uh, discipled through the teaching of the word of God. Okay? The third thing he said will be present is evangelism. The fact that the church was multiplying souls were being added. Okay? So evangelism was taking place. So I have evangelism and missions because we think evangelism often we think local. But evangelism is not just local, it's also missions. So a healthy church would have evangelism and missions taking place. And then he, he said ministry. Well, by ministry, he meant service. Okay? So where there's a healthy church, the people are serving each other. The men are working with the boys, and using their gifts in ministry, in service. Amen? So people are using their gifts in ministry, in serving one another with the gifts that God has given them. Whether they're natural gifts or spiritual gifts, we are serving one another with those gifts. Amen? Service, and I added support. Service and support. As we serve one another, we're also providing support for one another. The strong is helping the weak. Whether it's with finances, whether it's with our abilities, our talents, we are taking something that we have and we're using it to bless someone else. All right? And then the last thing he said was fellowship. Uh, by fellowship, he, he was speaking more about the whole idea of relationships. The fact that we care for one another. We fellowship with each, we, with, with each other. And we genuinely uh, cultivate healthy relationships. We fellowship. Amen. We don't just come on Sunday and leave. Amen. We spend time together. We develop friendships. We get to know each other. They went from house to house. There was a lot of eating taking place. Amen. It was not always a prayer meeting. It wasn't always a worship service. It wasn't always preaching and teaching. They did a lot of that. But they also did a lot of eating. And unfortunately, some of them ate too much. And Paul had to talk to them about their behavior when they got together because they forgot they were saved sometimes. And they had to be rebuked. But those five things, okay, what were they? Worship and intercession, the whole prayer thing. The second one is teaching and discipleship. The third one is evangelism and missions. The fourth one is service and support. He said ministry, but I kind of, I know how we use the word ministry, so I thought I'd put service instead. Service and support, and then fellowship and hospitality. He said if these five things exist in a church and it's happening in a, in a, in a rich manner uh, with, 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 with proper balance, that church will be healthy and that church will experience good growth. Now, here's the question. Are we a healthy church? Hmm? I mean, let's say we brought, we brought harvest to you. You're the doctor now. And you got to examine harvest. You want to save harvest life so you can't be sentimental. You don't want when you go to your doctor 
Your doctor don't want you to know the truth. So you got a serious problem, he doesn't tell you, you die. I didn't want her to know. No, no, please tell me what the problem is, and man, if you can fix it, fix it. And save the patient, right? So what we want to do is, we want to save the patient. If the patient is sick, we want to save the patient. If this patient is doing well, but there's some weaknesses that we need to watch, you know, sometimes you're not, you're not, you're not at the place where you're going to die, but, if, if, but you need to watch this area, right? Cut back on your sugar. You're eating too much sugar, right? Some of you looking at me, <laughs> right? Okay, you're not drinking enough water. You got to start drinking more water. You're eating too much. Go on a diet. When was the last time you exercised? You follow me? I mean, you're not, at the, you're not necessarily sick. There's no disease that you're diagnosed with, but the doctor says, wait a minute. These are areas you got to pay attention to because the potential of this thing becoming a real problem is significant, so identify it and address it. So harvest is our patient tonight. You are the doctors. You, you know, sometimes when I go to the doctor, I'm glad when he says, oh, your heart is doing well. That's good, man. You got the heart of a 25-year-old man, right? That feels good. So it's okay to say harvest is doing well here. But it's also okay to say, but in this area, we, we got some work to do. Is that okay? Don't worry, you won't offend me. Okay, so don't be worried about my feelings. After all, this is not my church. So, so everything you point out, you, you talk about you. <laughs> Every shortcoming you see is our shortcoming, right? It's not the pastor's shortcoming, it's our shortcoming. We're making it ours. We're going to make the, the good things, the success is ours, but the, the things that are not so good, we're also going to own it, right? We're not going to blame someone else. We're going to take ownership. Ask ourselves, how can I do better? How can we? Okay? So let's look at each. Worship and intercession. Let me, let me, let me make it easy for you. Suppose you are grading and, and, the, and 10, is, 10 is A+. Plus. 10 is top. Uh, zero is, no, one is, one is the lowest level. All right. Huh? No, worship and intercession. Somebody give me a grade. Who, who, who's ready to grade, grade us for worship and intercession? I'm doing a survey starting with you. I'm, I'm, no, your, your grade is not necessarily the grade. But I, but I just want to get what your grade is. People would differ. People would differ, but I just want to see where you, where you put it. Okay? Yes, Can we? I kind of want to break it, but it's kind of hard. You want to break worship in your session? session? Yeah, you know, separate them, but it's kind of hard, you know. If that way you want to do it. If that would make you feel better, go ahead. <laughs> well, now, I agree with you, and then you still ain't good. <laughs> These are the kinds of doctors you don't want. Change that doctor. He's afraid to make the hard decision and make the hard call. Okay, quickly, someone. I mean, again, you know, just give us your gut feeling. It doesn't mean that's, that's the way it is. Yes? So, okay. Intercession, I think we are at eight. Intercession, we are at eight. Okay. 
because it's a handful of people praying. It's not the whole church. So if we're grading per, it is pretty good. Yeah, you still, so. you still giving, you still giving us a pretty good grade. Worship, I'll say we have a eight point five. Okay. So, so, so based upon your, your examination, Harvest is doing pretty well. Because I mean, ten is would be perfect, and then you're saying we're eight to eight point five. There's room for improvement, but you're saying. Overall, you think we're doing, we're not doing poorly in that area. And at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to get. Are we doing pretty good? We're not going to be perfect in any of those. But are we doing pretty good? Are we doing real bad? Now we're somewhere in between. That's the range, okay? And if we got a lot of folks who think we're doing real bad in the area, then certainly that's something to focus on. Yes, sir. Yes. I just wanted to, um, maybe if we could get a clarification, Bishop, we're not rating the worship team. We're rating oh, our no, it's not the team. It's service as a whole. Our worship as a whole. No, it's not the team. What happens on Sunday morning? What happens on Friday night? What do you think is happening in people's homes? Okay, that's the worship life of the church. The prayer life of the church. What's happening on the, on the prayer line? What's happening Friday? What do, you, what do you believe is happening in people's homes? Yeah? Yeah, be sure. I, I wanted to... Uh, Get some clarification also. Yeah, you're making the thing technical. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, because, um, you know, when you're grading, is it a reflection of the entire church or just a group of people? The entire church. Okay. If somebody were to ask you about harvest and you were describing harvest in terms of the worship in this session, what would you say? Would you say, man, yeah, come to our church. There's a real, a lot of emphasis on worship and intercession there. There's a lot of worship and a lot of intercession taking place at Harvest. Oh, you say, well, if you're looking for a place where worship and intercession is taking place, Harvest is not the place. That, you know, if, if, if that makes it easy. Yeah? For, if I would say for worship, for us, I would say it's a 10. I, I, I love the presence of the Lord is here. So worship for us is a 10. But us as a congregation, as a people worshiping together, I would say it's a 5. So when you say us, who's the us? Us. You mean Friday night people? No, just us when we come together, when we're worshiping. The, the ministers, they're ready, the instruments, everything, the presence of the Lord is here. And I sometimes find that the worship team is trying like, come on, come, let's, let's, let's go together, let's go. I feel like they have So I was wondering when you say 10, what are you giving 10 to? No, the presence, the presence, the worship team is ready to minister, the instruments is there, the sound. So you're rating the worship team? No, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm saying the atmosphere is a 10. The atmosphere is a 10. When we enter in on Sunday morning, the, the instruments, I mean, maybe I'm sure there's some other stuff in the background that's not perfect. But when we come in, the sound is good. The, 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 the team is up there ready to minister, right? But we, as a congregation, as a whole, I find I see the, the, the worship team sometimes it's like a battle ram trying to get us to get through the gate. And we have not prepared ourselves but so we need to work on that. that we, okay, so we, we need to work on having the congregation more fully involved 
on Sundays in particular in the worship experience, right? Somebody taking notes? For me? Is, is, is Mary Antoinette here? Okay, please take note. We need to work on getting our congregation as a whole more involved in worship on Sunday. Okay? Let's move on to the next. I'm this is an exercise that I, again, we're looking for, if we're doing really well, fine. If we really need to work on something, we need to know that. Okay? Uh, teaching and discipleship. Where do you think we fall? Excellent. Uh, C average. They used to say F, now it's E. <laughs> I would say for specifically discipleship, a C, because there's been kind of like a slowdown in the discipleship process. I get a lot of people coming to me asking me I want to serve, and usually the process for us to serve is that you're being discipled, but like the pairing between mentors is it has kind of slowed down. So I think that we can... We can do better with discipleship. How many of you share her opinion? You share your opinion, her opinion that we can do better with discipleship? Yes. Okay, please make note of that. Yes, yes. You want to say something? Your mic. If we are, so there's two parts there, the teaching. The teaching, I would say A, and then discipleship C. So if you, if you do the average, I think it's B. Okay. Okay, so you rate the teaching high, but the discipleship, which is more the one-on-one -on -one type process. Now, discipleship would also include all of our training programs. Okay, we have the, we got the Harvest uh, Marketplace Academy. We have the School of Ministry. What else we have? Care groups, HTEP, um, the Harvest Christian Education Program. Uh, so we do have a lot, okay, that we do offer in the area of teaching discipleship. We do offer a lot. Uh, so I don't think, I think what I would give us an A really when it comes to what we are offering. I mean, there's just a lot of opportunities here to grow if you want to. Okay? But maybe the area that we still need to work on is the one-two part. Because you can't disciple people. Jesus said, follow me, I will make you. You got to be willing to follow. Okay? He can't make you if you don't follow. So you can take the, the, the what is it, the horse to the water. The truth is, I believe we have a lot of teaching a lot of opportunities for, for discipleship. It's just that many people are not taking advantage of it. So the, the issue we, we need to address in that area is, what can we do to encourage or to get more people to see the value of what we're offering to take advantage of it? We need to find out why more people are not taking advantage of the tremendous teaching and discipleship resources that are available here at Harvest. Yes, okay? Yeah. Can I say something about the, what we offer here? Yes. I think one of, and that's just my, just my thinking. 
we got to let the people know what we offer. So the Christian education program, I think, begins in March or so. People got schedules. So it's second Saturday in the month. So if you're going to tell me that you're offering this great program and just tell me a month before and I got my whole schedule planned out for the year, I want to come, but I got the kids' games. I got this other thing planned. I got... And got so, your own life to live. Ah. That's so, why Jesus said you got to deny yourself, right? <laughs> so my suggestion, Bishop, is if we can get a systematic campaign so that people get ready, you know, so they can clear up the calendar and they can plug in the Christian education program and all the other different programs. It's possible we got too much. Maybe that's one reason why it's not clear to the folks what we do have, that we got so much. You know, when you only got two suits or three suits, you don't have to worry about what you're wearing on Sunday. <laughs> but when you got so many choices, it can become difficult to make a choice. So perhaps, again, we need to explore that. I'm not saying that's a reason, but maybe we're offering so much that at the end of the day, people don't know what to choose and then they end up not choosing any. That could be something worth exploring to see whether that would have more people involved. Because we do have a lot that we offer. All right, let's move on very quickly. Bishop, can I say what? Yes, is? yes. Uh -huh. I think it's not just the problem of having too many. If when you have choices, for me, it's even better. I think it's the availability of the saints whether they want to take advantage of um, what we are offering here. Secondly, does teaching include um, um, the word on Sunday? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so anytime, you know, on Sunday we teach, to be honest, I think if, you know, they got different kinds of churches, and churches have different emphasis, I think if you were to describe where we have maybe the greatest emphasis here at Harvest, Okay. Now, but if the only thing that's working well is the cardiovascular system and your respiratory system, you're not going to be well, right? So as much as it's good to have strong teaching, the body isn't healthy if those other areas are not also sufficiently supplied. Got it? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I just want to add that, I don't know, one brother just spoke earlier. The classes are being announced way ahead of time because I signed up for class. I've been in Harvest forever, but I signed up for classes just to start next month. So I'm talk, I want to talk about accountability. Like one on one, how do you say it? One another? If, if you, you are close to a sister or brother, you can encourage that person to, to sign up, to grow with you. Because I do have a sister that's on my neck. And I'm glad that I have her like that. And if, each time I, I connect to the harvest, how you call it? Would you just say it? Marketplace. She's the one calling. Are you connected? 
am grateful for that. So I think since we are trying to find out how we can get to the one part, we can encourage each other to get to the one part. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so that's one thing all of us can do. Okay, all of us can become familiar with what is being offered so we can talk about it intelligently to others. So let me ask a question, because you're here tonight, you're one of the more committed ones. How many of you feel you, are, you have enough information about the various discipleship programs we have here that you can tell somebody what's here? And if, if, if you were talking to somebody today, you could tell them what's here and how to get involved. Please stand. If you feel you know enough and you're familiar with what we're offering, that you can personally direct someone. Make sure now you're not just standing because make sure you really can do it. Okay, good. But no, but this is great because again, watch this now. Those of you who are here, the fact that you're here tonight for me means you're the more committed ones to this vision. I know one or two people couldn't make it, but those who come on Friday, but even among us who perhaps are in the top 10% of those committed to what God is doing here and feel that you're a part, look how few actually know about the discipleship programs, the teaching programs. So that reveals a great weakness and can account for one of the reasons where people are not involved. Right? So you took a note you took note of that? Henry, you here? Okay. So is there a place right now that someone can go on a website? and have all of that information there? Because they gotta look here for it and look here for it and look here for it. Is there a place? Yeah, harvestersonly.org slash discipleship. So if you go there, what would you see? You guys can be seated. Uh, we have our, uh, we have information about our road to discipleship program. So it says discipleship and harvest and it lists the, the programs we have, the road to discipleship programs and uh, MAF, how you text MAF to um, be a part. We have care groups. Um, we have the Christian education program, um, and which covers the, doesn't cover the advanced school of ministry, so that's gonna be added. So if I go to, anyway, we don't have to take the time to do here, but I do think, I don't know what we can do to make that more visible, more visible whether we need to put some posters Agreed, yeah. Because, you know, going to the internet sometimes, for some of us, is still hard, okay? So create some posters, large, that we can put, you know, on the wall that people can see. That might help. But I, obviously, that's one of the reasons we don't have more people participating. Um, I really want to say something about that because, for me, I found, I found out about a lot of information because... I'm very, if I want something, I have to get it. Right. So I will text Pastor Mike. I call everybody and right. I get my information. But if you go by, like, even the MF, you go, you just fill out, you don't get a response fast. You wait like one, one week or more than that. Or most of, even for the care group, 
I did not, I, I kept called later after like a month, but at that time I already joined a group because I went to look for information. So I'm just thinking maybe some people have that because last Sunday I met a, a lady in the church and she told me, you know, I fill out that MAF and uh, nobody called me. Maybe you think they don't want me, they don't want me to be a member. I said, no. I okay. said, no, no, no. So I took her to Dr. Patricia. Anyways, with now Dr. Pastor Mayma, she started. Uh, so maybe the rest of the response. Yes. Yeah, okay. So we got to work on making that information more easily available so that more people know. But I'd love the suggestion, all of us who do know, if we would take upon our responsibility to familiarize ourselves, we then can be the instruments to help inform, invite, and encourage others that we interact with to take advantage of this. All right? So I'm asking all of us here to make it ours. The discipleship program here at Harvest, please make it yours, and let's work together to make it better. Because that, that is at the core of our mission, right? Win the loss at all costs and make as many disciples for Christ as we possibly can in our generation. So please, you know, familiarize yourself with what we have. We have the care group system. We have the H, even I myself now, H, H, HCEP, the Harvest Christian Education Program, and the Harvest Education Program offers courses when? Ah, uh, you see he got stuck. So anyway, we've got to work on that. We've got to work on that. There's something, there's a breakdown. We're not sufficiently communicating the information in a way that people can act on it. So we've got to improve that. Yeah, Bishop, I wanted to add also, even when we join some of the discipleship classes, etc., I know I completed two programs, right? So when we finish, after there's an obscurity as to what's happening, right? We finish, we're still waiting to hear what's next, what we're doing, and I don't know, I haven't even heard anything to acknowledge that we completed even the programs and things. So I don't know, there's some disconnect there. I finished two programs, I still don't know what we're doing with it. And other people who attended it that are not that the main church are only, they're done and they've went, they moved on to the next what program? Next. What program you finished? In what, what uh, area? I finished the, uh, the marketplace and then the uh, exodus license. Okay, that's, she was checking her head, so I don't know. Anyway, I don't know who want to take time to deal with the details, but go ahead quickly. Yeah, just for the marketplace, for instance, before we close every class, we tell you what we are doing next. So before we close for that evening or that day or the course, we tell you like, I know we did the frontline course for those who did it and completed it. And then we went for three, for a whole one month and we did 30 days in the marketplace to get you to register for the shaping culture course. And 32 people showed up out of the 70 something people who had signed up for the free frontline course. So, now and again, we have seven leadership starting next week, Thursday. This is me announcing it. So sign up. <laughs> All right. We do have to do better with communicating um, what we're doing. Okay, let's move on because there is evangelism and missions. Evangelism and missions. How are we doing? 
No more than five. Who said that? That's me, Bishop. So for evangelism and missions, you give us a five. Especially evangelism. So you give us a C. Okay. Yeah, that's right. All right, describe why you give us such a low grade. Yeah, evangelism should be um, the commitment of the whole church. I know there's a leader who is assigned, I believe is uh, Dr. Patricia, but it looks like uh, most of the time you will see during evangelism campaigns, it is the same group of people. And uh, at some point it was extended to the homogeneous groups. This should be extended to the church. But one thing you mentioned, Bishop, that I like from the beginning, you say, you talked about it, a very important word, transformation. In order for somebody to go and to be comfortable evangelizing, the person himself needs to be transformed. And uh, I think this is where we need to start with. Train people, help people get transformed so that they can be comfortable going out and evangelize. We need more training. I agree. <laughs> we already got a lot of training. <laughs> <laughs> Are you asking for another one on top of what we have? No, I'm, I'm being sincere. I, I, I'm, I'm talking generally when we talk, when, when we look at like the number of people who come on Sunday. Yeah, so that's why we need more transformation in general. I agree with the transformation. I'm just wondering when you said training. Uh, no, not training in terms of evangelizing as such. Uh -huh. Training in terms of people getting transformed. How do you see that happening? I mean, what do we need to do that we're not doing? People need to get connected to more of the programs that we just mentioned, uh, uh, like teaching, discipleship programs, so that, because uh, Sunday teachings will not be enough for people really to get transformed. Okay, so I guess what you're saying, folks need to take advantage of what we already have. Correct. That's what you're saying, right? That's correct. Okay, so, okay. All right, so, but, but what about missions? You give us, give us C for evangelism. What about missions? Our mission, we're doing much better. I think I will give seven or eight for missions. Seven or eight, seventy percent. Okay, no, thank out you. Of 10. Seven out of ten. Yeah, seventy percent. Yeah. Okay, that's still a C, man. <laughs> Somebody else? Yes. Uh huh. Hello, Bishop. Yes. Uh, I think everything else, even as uh, Brother Eli was saying, I think um, even evangelism and missions, I think we are, everybody's at different points. I believe some of these things, um, I, I believe the youth would take advantage of this. I know you're targeting the youth. There are certain points when I came to the church, some of these things, I think I was yearning for it, but we didn't have them. As time went along, we started developing those, but I'm at a different point in my life where time, like Emmanuel was saying, I can celebrate. We have a little bit of less time to try to do everything. That's what Jesus said, let your dead bury the dead. <laughs> he says, don't even go home and bury your father. Let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. <laughs> we are, we are, but we have to have a balance, Bishop. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. <laughs> what was the balance in that? No, I hear you. Okay, but we can't keep giving out, making excuses. No, no, it's not an excuse. I'm saying... I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to us in general. 
Okay? We tend to do what we prioritize. That's just a reality. No, we, we, personally, I believe we try to give all, but we can't let other things fall to the ground as well. So, in reality... You're we, making choices. Yeah, it's still You have priorities. Yeah, yeah. And you're focusing on the priorities. No, no, we're not. We focus on the church, but we can't let other things suffer. Like you just said, it's a whole system. If one suffers, the other also... There is a gain and a loss, so we have to be careful not to... I hear you, but, but we consistently choose not to do certain things. And again, I mean, let's just be real, okay? You can't do everything, that's the reality. Uh, but sometimes we could do more, but we just have not made it a priority. That's just a reality. And so part of what we need to do is be challenged. Wait a minute. How come every time I make this decision, it's always... This has priority over this consistently. Is that the way it should be? I mean, that's where discipleship gets where the rubber meets the road, right? Sometimes you gotta deny what you want to do or what what would benefit you personally for the kingdom. You gotta be led by the spirit. I'm not saying don't let the whole I'm not making some rule that you always gotta do this. But if you always you always put yourself and your family first. You always do that, then you're never going to have time, really, to do some of these things. That's the reality. So you do need to be led by the Spirit. I'm not saying be like your family, but at the same time, don't go to the other extreme. Okay? All right. Missions. Somebody could give us a better grade in the C for missions. <laughs> I beg you all. Because we are harvesters. Let me get a grade. Harvest intercontinental ministries. And if all we got is a C, we need to close shop, man. No, I think I beg, I beg to differ. We are harvesters, 350 churches. No, more than 350, County. close to 500 now. Yes, it's an A+. Plus. It's man. excellent for missions. And then for evangelism, I think like you rightly said, I agree with you. We all have 24 hours and it's a matter of priority. We need to drag the young adults and the youths. With, with evangelism, but I think it's just that we don't want to make the right choice yeah. to say, let's go. And, and with evangelism, you don't have to go with the group. You know, you don't have to be part of the evangelism team on Saturday. Evangelism is a way of life. As you go, share Christ. Okay, as you, if you're taking your kids to the game, don't just stick them to the game. Pray about an opportunity to share Christ there, to minister to him, okay? So, again, when we say evangelism, we didn't say you got to set aside two hours every Saturday. Some people will. But the evangelistic spirit needs to be present. At all. This, at Dr. Patricia doesn't need Saturday to win the loss. She will win the loss on the airplane, at the grocery store, wherever, right? Because she's, she's always available for that. Okay, so what all of us can do better, including me, is be more available, more sensitive to the opportunities that are there every day when we can minister Christ, minister his love to someone. Okay? Yeah. But when it comes to missions, yeah, you want to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, I think evangelism is actually pretty eight, nine to me. I feel like I have been more encouraged to evangelize because the teaching is awesome, and I'm more of a shy person, but I have actually gotten the courage to actually talk to my kids. 
patients and taking the opportunity at work to actually talk to them and find in Christ. So it's really hard to create evangelism, and you know what I'm saying. Um, it's more of a personalized thing. It's individualized. And, um, but the encouragement from the church is there. In fact, that's what we want to get. We really want to get to a place where we don't need to have a group going out on Saturdays. I mean, right now we need that, but man, if we can get to a place where every day, seven days a week, all of us are evangelizing throughout the week, that is real evangelism. Okay? Now, the team helps to train you if you feel you need some training and sometimes you're afraid and you need to develop the boldness. That's where working with a team like this to help you get to that place becomes important. Okay? But, yes, sir. I don't want to keep you long, so we'll be done by 9.30. Oh yes, so um, what I wanted to bring up is that number two, teaching and discipleship, I think is probably one of the most important that we've talked about so far. Um, because if that part of it is done very well, and when I say done, I don't mean on the teaching side, but more on the student side, um, the people receiving the teaching. If that part is done very well, then the, you know, uh, the worship environment in the church is gonna be better the intercession is gonna be better, then the evangelism and missions are also going to grow as well. So as we decide more, then more people are gonna be willing to go out and, and uh, evangelize. So if we, on the, if we focus on the right, be able to uh, see growth in all areas. Yeah, Jesus said, I was it Jesus? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you're full of is gonna come out of you. So the more we get full of Jesus and of the good news, the more it will, when we open our mouth, it will come out. Okay? Yes, ma'am. Yes, um, I wanted to do a suggestion maybe for all these different areas since we said we have a lot of uh, classes, too many things going on. I, I've, I felt like the marketplace, for instance, was there was a, a whole campaign kind of sort of around it. And so a lot more people got um, aware and start signing up. So I think maybe for each one of these areas, if we say this quarter, we're gonna focus on that. So there's more awareness as a whole in the church instead of always proposing everything that people don't know where to run to. But I feel like, you know, campaign style of, you know, um, awareness will, might help with that. Thank you. All right, so let me just let you know that you and I are doing a lot when it comes to mission. Okay? That is one of our strongest points. Very few churches in our position is doing as much a local church when it comes to mission. That's something, in a good way, you can be proud of your church. Because in that, I think Harvest sets itself apart. Okay, the amount of time and resources we invest in taking the gospel to the nations, planting churches, schools, etc., etc., for one local church is something that, in a good way, we can say, you know, we're doing well there. All right, so I encourage you to become more familiar with how we're touching the world and participate more, you know, in these mission trips that are, that, that, that are happening. Uh, you know, so when we're going, go with us. Or, or you can say, Bishop, I'm going to this country. I'm going to Ghana or I'm going to Guinea. While I'm there, do we have a work there? Or is there somewhere 
I can go and do some missions while I'm there. All right? Uh, some of you travel a lot. Some of you not that much. But we're doing a lot, and we're going to continue to do a lot by the grace of God. Again, we're Harvest Intercontinental Ministries, right? Unlimited. Because we want to keep the world before us. We are going to do what God has called us to do in our Jerusalem. And we're always going to be also reaching out to the nations. That's who we are. That's our DNA. Let's embrace it. Let's support it with your prayers, with your finances. When you give here, you're not just impacting here. You are impacting the world. Okay? I, you know, I shared on my Facebook the work that is happening in Romania. If you, I don't know if any of you saw it. Anybody saw that? That building was the building we built. You built it. Remember, we're receiving offerings and things for a building in Romania. And now, I don't know how many persons, but it looked like close to 100 people were in that building worshiping God in Romania. You, with your giving, you who supported that, you built that in Romania. All right? And you're building a lot of churches, and you're supporting a lot of missionaries in so many places. To God be the glory. And, and by the grace of God, this local church gives at least 10% of all income donations. Exactly. Really more, right? more at this point. But yeah, you're right. Okay? So we're doing well there. We, can, we want to do better, but we're doing well. Okay, so quickly, service and support. Basically, again, there we're talking about using our gifts. Uh, how many of our people, I, I think I've shared with you before that there are three measures of a great church. One is the seating capacity, how many persons are coming, sitting down to hear the word, to be taught, to be discipled. How many are being sent, how many are going out, taking this gospel to the nations. And then the serving capacity, how many of those who are part of the church are not just coming and receiving, but they have a sense of responsibility. They've made it theirs, and they're serving. Okay? A healthy church you have a lot of its members serving. Okay? So, how are we doing there? Who said 10? You said 10? But hold on. You said what? Yes, 10. We'll come back to that. Yes. That's the highest grade we've gotten for anything. 10. So... So she would have to justify that high bar. <laughs> Go ahead. Bishop, I think I, I, would, I would say six. 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 Give me a rationale. Well, because my thinking behind it is that when you call for, I'm going to talk about the ministry workers in, in particular. If you call for a ministry worker or anything that needs to be done, you have the same people showing up for the same thing over and over again. So that's your six. Okay, somebody else? You support what he said. How many of you think that we get at the most a mediocre grade in that area? Six and below. Not, 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 well, between three and six. Stand, stand if you think we're, we're kind of down there. We're on the lower end of the spectrum there. Okay, okay, not too many of you. Okay, please be seated. How many of you think we're on the higher end of the spectrum between 8 and 10? 
Okay, okay, let me ask a question again. Okay. Okay, the high end will be between 8 and 10. The medium range will be, let's say, 7 to 4, 4 to 7. And the low end will be 1 to 3. All right, if you think we're in the 8 to 10 range when it comes to this area, please stand. You, you're 10, right? So stand up high. <laughs> okay, okay, only three persons. Th three persons, okay. If you think we're in the medium range between 4 and 7. 4 and 7, medium range, medium range, medium range. Medium range. Okay. Okay, not bad. If you think we're in the lower range, below four, please stand. Everybody should have stood for one of these things. So please stand. No, seriously, this is important. You, you are telling us something. You're communicating, okay? It's not just about fun. This is serious, okay? Huh? The lower end. The lower end. You think, forget, you're at the lower end between, between less than four. Let, Okay, so you're either at the lower end, the top, and at the middle. So if you haven't stood up for any of those two, then you're in this one. So stand. If you, if you haven't... If you, what, okay, I'm, okay, let me do it one more time. Okay. Let me, let me do it one more time. Just think about high, medium, low. Forget about the numbers. Okay? Forget about the numbers. If you think we're on the high end, please stand. High end when it comes to this. Please stand again, all of you who stood for 10 and 8 to 10. High end, you think we're on the upper level end, okay? A few people, very few. If you think we're in the mid, mid, middle range there, please stand. Middle range, okay, more of you are there, please see it. If you think we're on the lower end, we're on the, yeah, we're, we're, less, than, we're less than mediocre. <laughs> when it comes to that, please stand. Okay, some of you didn't participate. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so most of you think, personally, I think that's what we're suffering the most. Personally. Okay, but that's just my opinion. Look how many people here tonight. Here's the proof. Okay, here's the proof that not too many people have seen themselves as part of this group. Okay. Uh, and we generally don't get too many more than this. In a church our size, this is about maybe a little bit more than this that are really serving. Uh, so I think he's right. I think you have the same people having to do so many things, but the great majority of our people still haven't felt that they have any stake in this, any need to get involved and a sense of responsibility. And that is sad. Okay? And the day that can change, our church will go to another level. Because many of the problems we are experiencing are problems we're experiencing because of lack of adequate workers who are committed. So the same people doing multiple things. So let's pray about this one. All right? And... And if you have some concrete suggestions of what you think we can do differently to help increase the number of people who are becoming involved actively in some service in the church, please share that with us, okay?
But that's an area that personally I think we really are disappointed every time. Be honest, I'm disappointed today. Okay? Let me say something to you now. And I'll be, I'll be very honest. Okay? For me personally, one of the highest ways you show me respect, my office as a pastor is when I ask you to come to a meeting like this, you make time. And for me, one of the highest ways so me, I interpret it as disrespect for the office and for me. When I ask, because we don't do this every day, we don't want, we're, not going to, we're not going to take advantage of it, overdo it. But on the occasion we ask for these meetings and you really don't think it's important enough for you to be present, to hear it, for me, I interpret that as very little respect for me as a person and for the office. Because I can't conceive how you can respect someone. Respect your pastor. Calls for a meeting, and you just decide, ah, I'm not going. And many of those who didn't come would not even bother to ask what was said. They wouldn't even bother to say what was said. What does that mean? I don't care what you're saying. What you're saying is irrelevant. Just doing your own thing. It has nothing to do with it. Okay? So you who came tonight, for me, this has shown me much respect. I appreciate that. Okay? But I'm just being honest. I don't ask too much. I really don't. And so, and these meetings are so important because how can we solve these problems? if we never talk about them together. All the folks who are not here today, how are they going to contribute to anything that we have just said as far as a solution? Yes? I think it's, I think it's a disrespect to your office, but more than that, they has be, this has become a pattern. And I'm not sure what we need to do. If I was the pastor, I probably would take a different approach, but I'm not the pastor because year in and year out, it's the same story, Bishop. It's the same story. People don't show up. They don't care. Oh, that Bishop Johnson having a meeting. I don't come in there. I mean, year after year, year, sometimes i be like, why do they disrespect a man like this? Last December was the same story, Bishop. The same story, December, the same story. The previous year was the same story. I think it's about time as a church we make a decision. We can't dis because we're building a culture that is okay to disrespect the man of God, disrespect what we're doing as a church. And it's a culture, we gotta, we gotta do something, Bishop. We gotta do something as a church. We gotta do something. So you said if you were a pastor, you would do something. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you are, you are, aren't you an ordained reverend? <laughs> so tell me what to do. I, I don't know what to do. I, you can't force people to respect you. You can't force it, you know. So I don't know what to do. I can't, for, I can appreciate those who come, but I can't. Um, I think she was up first. Okay. Bishop, um, you were saying 
how can we get people to serve year after year? I'm sorry about my voice. I was just thinking, I've been thinking whenever I'm serving, I'm thinking, is it possible maybe the leadership changes in these ministries could be rotated or move around? I'm just asking. Because I'm just what, talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. But um, one thing I think I've noticed I've been here is that the leaders of these groups, of these ministries, remain constant. And I don't know whether maybe people feel that they don't feel comfortable by the person who's leading that ministry, or they don't feel welcome, or something that is causing people, because what is remaining constant? I think it's who's leading the team or what's happening. I mean, do we examine the leadership? Is there a question there that we need to look at? Do we need to move people around in these leadership ministry teams? I'm just asking. Okay, thank you. I think, and hold on. Oh, okay. Um, I remember the last time, and just to ping back to what can we do, uh, I shared with you the show personally, right, when I came back from DRC, um, that's travel, and I visited some church, and I found the level of excellence um, in some of the church. They don't have the level of infrastructure or things that we have, but the discipline, and I showed just an example where they, the pastor, during the church, they had a whole, I just happened to be during the, the worker week. They had a whole week of teaching and uh, at the end of it, a column of all those who are workers that they never made it and, you know, set them on the side and really kind of, you know, discipline them. But, you know, in Africa, it's a little different, right? But it still, it still was able to, to do so. And, and the second example I want to bring when it comes to leadership change. Um, well, 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 let me, before you change uh -huh. to leadership, are you recommending? <laughs> now, I hope you have my interest at heart. <laughs> are you recommending that all the folks who are down here who should have been here, I should call them and give them a piece of my mind? Bishop, to be truthful, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't hurt sometimes to be tougher with us. Because otherwise, I, I'm saying that because otherwise, we, there are things that we, because they're a, a different type of people. Some of them are mature, spiritual, some of them are not, some of them, they come into different backgrounds. So we need to establish something. So some little discipline here and there, uh, although it may hurt, and you should always care about... I'm appointing you and making you the chairman <laughs> of the disciplinary committee. <laughs> I'm charging you to find all the folks who are not here tonight and in the name of Bishop Johnson. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. But it, it, it helps to... Because you have also... Because you're too good. Sometimes you're really too nice. I'm too soft, huh? Yeah, sometimes a little bit. I'm too nice. Um, it, it, it's not bad, but I think sometimes we need a little bit of, you know, there's a character. How many of you agree with him? How many of you say, Bishop, you need to be? A little bit. A little bit. 
Notice, notice it's just a minority. The great majority of folks didn't agree with you. Because I think it's discipline. When the army, discipline is so important uh, to help us. Because sometimes we may not, so it, it helps. So I want to just ping back on that. The, the other thing is about the, the change. Uh, give an example. Recently, there's been, uh, I was following the, an example in, in Kinshasa, this BRC. The former government got replaced and they got the assistant government came in. Government was there for five years, nothing happened for five years. The next one came in and started making things happen because there was a change. There is an infuse of, of energy and, and people tend to do a little more. I think sometimes a rotation of leadership, I think, help so that we can bring new blood, new fresh perspective. It's always important. Uh, to, to have that. And sometimes we're so stagnant, it's year after year, and it's the same leadership, and there's the same problem, so there's some type of correlation right there, and we may have to think about it. Okay. And we want to wrap it up, because we've got to come back tomorrow. Let's qualify. You barely say anything with yeah, a mic. With a mic. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't. I'm the one in the background and just listen. But I'm going to say something here. And I'm going to go on the other side. And however way people take it, that's just too bad. Um, so this is what's going to happen. We talk about service and support. Let's think about something here. The church. What makes up the church? Us. It's the whom that makes up the church. I'm gonna stand up and say something. Look around you. And uh, I'm very thankful for all the men that are here. But how many men are actually here? The prayer meetings that we have, how many men do you have in it? When you have a church that's being run by, when I say run, I'm sorry that I use the word run, for being that sitting on the shoulders of just women, that's a problem. How many men do you see come? I come to the prayer meeting say on Friday and I take a look around. It's women. You go to this one, it's women. And like I said, I applaud the few men who are doing what they have to do. That's a disorder right there. The problem we are having is. Our men need to rise up. Our men need to rise up. Now, whether you make the connection or not, that is how I feel, and that's how I feel my spirit. We're talking about the whom. The men need to rise up, not just few men. The church was not for women to carry. It is not for women to carry. And these are hard subjects we don't want to address. And when we do, for the few of us that do address it, we sound a radical. No, I'm not a radical. I speak nothing but the truth as I think that I believe that it's been led. This church needs to hear the hard truth that predominantly you have women running or carrying on most of everything that happens in this church. 
I applaud you men that join and will be rescuing Grace from the, look how many years. How many years have you had a woman leading the boys' choir? I applaud you. So let's speak the hard truth. That's the problem. When you have destabilization to the bottom, no wonder it's showing on the top. That's all I have to say for now. You want to say something? I want to clarify my 10 over 10. <laughs> different point like how the church rallies around you when you have um, a, when you have a problem um, for example today we were all a lot of people here attended the homegoing service for um, LFLO right so the church really rallied around the family I don't even want to tell you about my own brother when he died I was even surprised I didn't even think I was in the same church because the church really showed up because I, I didn't know what to do. No, none of us none of us knew what to do. We were lost and the church really um, supported us and the, the, the service they rendered to us. People were there. They, they gave the time and everything and I feel like it, it wasn't really like um, particular to us. It, if it happened to any other person in the church, the, the church would also provide um, that same service. So in that way, the way the church comes to your aid or already identifies with you, I give that a 10 over 10. Yeah, and, 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 and when it comes to people joining ministries, um, even me and I just had this conversation who was saying that the merit team, you know, people don't want to serve, you know, they, we have a whole chat group, but people don't want to even sign up to, to, to serve on Sundays. So we just had this conversation, but in, in that, um, we have a problem with that, with people getting up to serve, you know, so. Good, I, and I agree with you. I think, I, you know, Pastor Taylor and Jonathan, was just talking about the kind of, you know, love and support the experience. You know, I think we were at our best, you know, at those times. You know, that's when we're really at our best. And at the end of the day, that's love. Okay? That's love in action. And Jesus said, this is how they're going to know you're my disciple, how you love one another. So, yeah, we can, we can thank God, you know. We're, 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 not, we're not perfect at it, but we work at it. Yeah. And that is some thank you for, for sharing. Okay, yeah, okay. So yeah, we, we would, again, I can see where support, no matter how you interpret support. But uh, you know, we were gonna put what you're doing, fellowship, the fellowship piece was pretty much where we're gonna put that in, but support is exactly, that's fine. So okay. I simply wanted to say the following, uh, when it comes to how we can get more people to serve. I started, you know, leading prayers uh, during the week, and it just happened because one of my brothers, uh, brother James, texted me and asked. Uh, because sometimes when people are new, maybe they are a little reserved, 
So it will take uh, some move from our part. Uh, if we are targeting you know, a few people, we have to intentionally reach out. You know, we can reach out to two, three, four, five. Some will answer. Amen. So I wanted to provide that. One, one of the things we're going to cover tomorrow is the whole idea of assimilation. Okay, how do we assimilate people? People become assimilated in the church. Uh, but again, for the sake of time, let's go to the last one, okay? Uh, fellowship and hospitality. They went from house to house. Uh, you know, they, they enjoyed one another. They spent time with each other. They must have laughed, celebrated with one another, and must have cried with those who were suffering, okay? It wasn't just let's gather together on Sunday and hear the word, sing some songs, and go home. They really interacted, built relationships. Now, it's not possible for you to have relationships with everybody. The church is not possible. But our hope is that everybody has a strong group of people within the church that you're really connected to. And when they hurt, you hurt. When they rejoice, you rejoice. And if you're a leader of a ministry, that should be one of the things that you are cultivating within your ministry. So that the people who are part of that ministry are not just performing a task. They're truly caring for one another. Okay, that's, that should be one of your number one goals. That's, okay? Having said that, if you are a leader and you've been a leader for a long time of a particular ministry. No, seriously. Some, some of the leaders who are there are there just because nobody is willing to take over. It's not because they don't want to release it. They can't find anyone who's willing to take on the responsibility. Okay? But if you are leading a particular area and say, you know, I really am looking for someone who I can help. I'm, I'm willing to continue to help, but I'd like somebody else to take the helm. Uh, you let, let us know. Okay? Then maybe we can work with you to see if we can identify someone. And you're going to be there still to support them. It's not that you're going to just abandon them. But you then become a mentor to help train and equip them to take over. The only thing, we don't want you to leave in the ministry collapse. Unfortunately, sometimes that happens. Somebody takes over reluctantly, and the person who's been faithful steps back, and the ministry collapses, so the other person doesn't have the same level of commitment that is required. So it's a difficult thing. Uh, but if you have been leading, and you say, you know, Bishop, I really am looking for someone who would take this over. I will support them and all of that. Let us know, and we can begin to pray and, and look and see if there's someone who can do that. Okay? A fellowship and hospitality, uh, what, what do you give us in that area? Eight, ten, nine. Hmm? Yeah, we're eight or nine. Um, also, I believe the care group we had before kind of helped um, make that better because now without that fellowship, it's a little bit difficult for people to come together because I think with the new system we have, the family are somewhat taken out of it. So I think the care group kind of brought that fellowship so people that couldn't necessarily meet during the week. Sometimes at church, like when we used to have the, um, the Wednesday prayer, sometimes we have different times to meet. I know the new system, we want to try to do that, but the whole homogeneous group isn't 100% to me. Yeah, but no system is perfect, right? You got pros and cons. I think we got more men participating now. Is that the case? Yeah, so when we have the, the mixed group, you didn't have as many men, and we know we're trying to get more men involved. And so it seems like the homogeneous group is a better strategy for getting more men involved 
you're right, I think you do lose some of that uh, because the family is not together. But we do have, I think we have the option. Do we have the option? Oh, we talked about it. I don't know what we do. We never presented the option where fam, some people who wanted to, the husbands and wives who wanted to do it together could come together. Did we, we still have that option? We still have the option? We still have the option. Okay. So you don't hear about it much, but the option still exists. If a couple wants to stay together, then they can get together with other couples or form a group. That, that option exists. Uh, Bishop, since they're talking about men, uh-huh. since we made the change, right. have you seen more men in prayer? Have you seen more men on a Friday leading prayer? Okay. I said what I had to say. Go ahead. Speaking from someone watching from outside. You're not too far outside. (laughs) I've never seen the kind of excellence in service and love that I've seen in the leadership at Harvest. And, and that's why I stood up, because it's true that not everyone out of a thousand, 12 or 10% will show up. But they don't just show up, they show up like they are there, they are present. Everything that I take out of Harvest and I send out, people always ask me, wow, where did you get this from? Even in the market where they pay for services, they don't get this kind of quality. So that's what I see, and I know that this same conversation, those same leaders are talking about it. How do we get people more involved? How do we get them? And I know at the last meeting, when they were talking about that, the, the thing was, let them fall in love with Jesus. If we can create a culture of loving Jesus and translate or transfer that culture to others that are joining the church, it will not be a struggle for them to give it all up for the Lord, to serve, to make him their priority. And I heard that from this leadership that we are talking about changing. No. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, as for me, in my house, we will preach Jesus. <laughs> we got one message at Harvest and it's Jesus. And we keep preaching him and, and he will reveal himself. Because I really agree, when people really see him, they're changed. Religion doesn't change you, you know, but man, the revelation of Christ changes. You can't have a true revelation of Jesus and just sit down. Do nothing. It's not possible. Okay, so who, who's in charge of the voice choir? Okay, so let's, let's, just, let's, let's just put an end to this. Uh, I can take it over if you want me to. So, so, how you just take over the people got their thing? <laughs> Work with them. Yeah, Bishop. Um, who's, I'm asking, who's talking? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I wanted to go back to service and support and then talk about fellowship hospitality. Just for my example, I came to Harvest back in 2008, and I was invited to a wedding, and it was um, Brother Didier and Christelle's wedding, and I was just so moved by, you know, how people were helping and all that, so I remember I reached out, 
and I reached out to Pastor Willie, and then, you know, I just wanted to learn more about the church, and then since then, I, you know, I've never wanted, I, I've always had the same opinion, and today when we were coming back um, from Elder Flo's um, event, me and Maman Jeanne, we were just talking, um, I was giving her a ride back, and we were just talking about, you know, the difference between our church and other churches, it's just like how people serve, just sense the love of God, you know, and so for that, we just, I, I give it a 10, personally, I give it a 10, and I just want to encourage people, like the small groups, you know, Pastor Peabody and um, Pastor Myanmar are doing an amazing job training us as leaders, you know, to just understand the purpose of the small group, you know. At first, I didn't really understand it, but then when they broke it down, how it started back in Liberia, the, the church is big. It's, it's impossible for a pastor to just focus on one person not being there, you know. But in the small groups, you can notice, okay, this person wasn't there. Just personally, I have a, um, an example. A member of my small group, she, she hasn't been, you know, active, and I just received from the Spirit to check on her often. I would just send her messages. More and more I sent her messages. She just felt that obliged to tell me that this is why, you know, I haven't been coming, and it was an urgent matter. But it just shows that one person will notice that that person's not there. So I just want to encourage people to join small groups and participate, because there's a reason why it's being done, you know? Just like Bishop saying that he called us for a meeting tonight. We, people didn't come, but he, there's a reason why he created the small group system, you know? He knows that in this season when we're calling for a harvest, the harvest is coming, it's plentiful, it's coming, they're coming, so they need more leaders. That's why they're training us to take over more leadership roles. So I just applaud everything that's being done at Harvest. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I guess that's, that's the biggest difference in, in my experience between ministering here and ministering back then. When we called for a meeting, people showed up. All right? They showed up. There's just a different level of respect and, and people show the pastors uh, on, that, on the continent than generally. Uh, you don't know that? Why are you acting like this? Like you... I don't know. Is it, yeah. Well, maybe, I'm sure the time has affected, I'm sure, and culture, I mean, it's a different culture too, right? But, but I, again, let me just end, because I know you got to go, I want you to come back tomorrow, it's almost 10 o'clock. But thank you for coming, okay? And tomorrow, come prepared to work, because I'm not going to do all the work. This is our church, right? And we all have ownership of it, and we're going to have to find solutions together. So we've identified some problems tonight, Okay? We're going to come tomorrow. I got some other things, but it's all at the end of the day. We, want, we together want to come up with some solutions that we take ownership for. And then we together, as one team, we don't have as many as we wanted to be here tonight, but Jesus' disciples, there were 11, and then Paul, 12, and they were enough to change the whole world. Okay? We have enough people here to transform this church. We really do. If all of us truly own it and, and take that extra step, go that extra mile, God can use all of us and bring about a huge transformation where transformation needs to take place. Overall, we're doing well. Overall, we, we, we as, as a, your pastor, I don't walk with my head down. Okay, I'm proud to say I am the pastor of Harvest is a Continental Church. Amen. I'm proud to have 
you as members and for me to be honored to be your pastor. So I'm not ashamed of you. Jesus is not ashamed of his brother. And I'm proud of this group. Okay, I really am. Uh, and I know that God will use us even more this year. In this year of life abundant, as we discover this life that's in us and learn to yield to this life, he's going to be glorified. We're going to see far more happening. For his glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for coming. Please be back tomorrow. And some folks who should have been here, listen, don't, your ministry leader shouldn't say go and represent the ministry. This is not for, your, for you to come and represent the ministry. Every person needs to be here in person. Okay? So please call the other members of your ministry team that for whatever reason may have felt it was not that important for them to be here tonight. Again, I know there are circumstances sometimes that require people they can't come. I hope during those times they will let us know. Okay? But many people who are not here tonight just didn't think it was important enough to, to go that extra mile. They were tired and just decided I'll stay home. Okay? We do this not very often. It's not something we do every week. So if I'm meeting with you four times a year and you miss one and you miss two, okay? I mean, that's 50% of the time. Okay? How many of you felt that this was time well spent? All right. Praise God. Now let's rise. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, love you. Thank you for coming. See you tomorrow.